happy Sabbath in your language. That would be much appreciated. Also, if I don't explain this to you now, you're going to wonder throughout the entire service, why am I not wearing any shoes? So in India, if you attend churches in India, and I'm sure in other places as well, they'll take their shoes off before entering the sanctuary because um, that's how they show their respect for it being holy ground. So I will respect that today, and that's why I'm not wearing shoes. So let's say a prayer before we dive right into our message today. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful Sabbath day. We thank you for giving us another opportunity to celebrate the rich diversity and creativity of your creation. And now, Lord, as we, as we begin and uh, begin to open your word and study today, I just ask that our hearts will be opened, that our sins will be forgiven, and that we will be receptive to hear what you have to deliver to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to keep praying for me if you don't mind. I've been pretty sick this past week. I got a lot of exercise yesterday running after my nose. So if I cough a little bit today, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not trying to be aloof or rude by not shaking your hand or anything like that. But I don't want you to start the following week with a rough note. I'm not the only one that has been dealing with many things happening this week. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that work extra hard to make sure that today is a little bit extra special from the people that um, brought the flags to coordinating everything and making sure everything happens in the right time and place to bringing our special group here, the Watchmen, to the people that practice choir. And even now as I'm speaking, there is a crew of angels downstairs getting the food prepared so that as soon as this is over, you will have a hot meal waiting for you. So, if you see anybody in an apron today, please, please give them a warm thank you. That was a State of the International Sabbath Address. In a similar vein, the State of the Union is an address that is given yearly by the President of the United States to both members of Congress, outlining his or her perspective on how the country appears to be, as well as outlining a legislative agenda for the coming year and potentially the rest of the term. States and cities follow suit with their respective state of the state and state of the city addresses. And in the past, when it was first implemented, it wasn't a big deal. It was actually done in writing. But with the advancement in communications, the State of the Union is an address that is watched by millions of people eager to hear how the president's perspective compares with their own perspective on how things are going. When I read John 17, I, to help me kind of remember uh, what John 17 is like, I like to look at John 17 as Jesus's state of the mission address. In fact, if you look through your passage, if you actually have a red letter edition Bible, you'll see that in John beginning in chapter 14 through 17, Jesus actually has many things to say to his disciples because he knows, he knows that his time is coming up. He is about to be delivered into the hands of men to be crucified. So he is trying to impart as much as he can to his disciples to encourage them to continue to have them press forward despite everything that is about to occur. But by the time we get to John chapter 17, we see a shift 
in Jesus' words, he goes from speaking to his disciples to having an intimate prayer, to having an intimate conversation with his father. So he begins the chapter by praying for himself. Then he prays for his disciples. And the passage we're going to look at today, we're going to see that he prays for everybody else. So here's the passage right here. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. That's, in your, that's a version in your pew Bibles. But let's just take a look at this passage today. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. So let's unpack this passage today, this morning. So in the first verse, in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Here Jesus outlines and introduces this section by explaining exactly who the subjects are in this passage. Jesus is saying that he is not just praying for these. Who is these referring to? It's referring to his disciples. If you look at the previous passage, you will see that Jesus is praying specifically for his disciples. But Jesus also continues, and he says, I'm not just praying for the disciples. I am praying for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, Jesus is praying for future believers. Jesus is praying for everybody. He's praying for those that are his followers currently, and he is praying for those that will, through God's grace and mercy, eventually become his followers. So whatever Jesus is praying in here is an all-inclusive message. You're included. You're not excluded. We continue on. Jesus reveals what he is praying about. He is praying that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. So here we see Jesus becoming plain about praying for unity. So there's a little bit of repetition going on here. If we look at the next couple of verses, we see that he mentions his union with the Father three times. He prays that his disciples, he prays that future disciples will be united, that will be one, in the same way that he is united with his Father. And he prays that they will also be one in us. There's a second instance. And then towards the end of 22, he again says he wants unity, he wants unity to model the unity that he has with the Father. So when we begin a discussion on unity, specifically in the Christian context, this is our frame of reference right here. What does unity, Christian unity, look like? Well, fortunately, I have cooked up a little illustration, and those words ring truer today than they have in the past. So unfortunately, what I have in mind, I cannot exactly do on the platform. So I'm going to continue this message downstairs, and then I'll be right back. Hello again. For International Sabbath, I thought we would make a lasagna for the message today, which is why I'm down here and not upstairs. Nothing screams International Sabbath more than an Indian man 
in the United States making an Italian lasagna. So, like every professional cooking show, let me just briefly go over the ingredients with you. I've got some whole grain pasta noodles here off camera. I have got some roasted red pepper pasta sauce. Really good. If you get pasta sauce, roasted red pepper is the way to go. I've got some beef crumbles here, which is not actually beef. It's actually a mixture of mushrooms, onions, walnuts, smoked paprika, liquid smoke, oil, garlic, salt, and pepper. And I've got some ricotta cheese here, which if I'm not using real beef crumbles, I'm not going to use real cheese either. So this ricotta cheese is actually a mixture of tofu, basil, lemon juice, nutritional yeast, salt, and pepper. And since I'm on this whole health kick thing, might as well go all the way and include some fresh green spinach. Now, like every cooking show, I have taken the liberty of taking all of these ingredients out of their original containers and putting them in nicer containers so that I will have more dishes to wash when the camera stops rolling. So with that in mind, let's begin. I'm going to grab my lasagna noodles here and I'm going to just stack these here in the lasagna pan, which is Pyrex, because we're going for authenticity here. So I'm going to stack my noodles like so. And I'm going to place my plastic cutting board on the gas stove over here and straighten these out. Okay, I've got my noodles neatly stacked. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put on the ricotta cheese. So I'm not going to try and, you know, spread this out because when it bakes, it's going to cook down, kind of like cookies, you know? Next up is my beef crumbles. I'm going to add some beef crumbles here in the center. Now some of you might be looking at me funny, wondering why am I making a lasagna and putting all these ingredients separately? Well, I'll explain later, but this is actually advantageous if you think about it, because with all the different food allergies and dietary preferences we have today, by grouping these ingredients together, everybody can eat from this dish. So if you're gluten-free, you don't have to partake of the noodles. If you are allergic to soy, you can avoid the ricotta cheese. If you just don't like spinach, you can avoid that. You get the, you, you get the gist. And I'm going to add my pasta sauce. So I'm going to put my pasta sauce here on top of my noodles so the noodles don't dry out. Add some moisture. There we go. Wonderful. 